0: hi and welcome to the first episode of lofty thoughts i'm dion jay and i'm going to be climbing into the loft for a bit of rambling and musing the rambling will consist of tv film book and podcast reviews and the musing is just me trying to make sense of my thoughts and the world hopefully um after all of this i would have survived this quarter life craziness kind of like The Princess and the pea, except there's no princess, just me, and the pea is my existential questions um, and other life questions. This isn't really about giving people advice or even coming to a neat conclusion. As such, I'm nobody's philosopher or academic. There are plenty of more intelligent and eloquent people than me. It's more about tossing random pieces of a puzzle around and see what comes together. But yeah. Um, So I mentioned quarter-life craziness earlier and part of that has been asking myself how do I know what I know, Um, what are my core beliefs and values, how did I come to acquire them, is there such things as a reliable source and what to do about work, career and when you realise you have huge blind spots in areas you didn't know about so I'm re-evaluating it all, nothing's taken for granted even down to the assumed basics such as sex and gender, which is what I'll be toying with in the Lofty Thoughts segment of this episode. But before we get into all that, let's just veg out on some reviews and recommendations. Kicking the TV segment off with Grey's Anatomy I think this is season 16 Well, 16 seasons, you know We've been through so much at this point I still kind of hold on to the hope that Christina Young will come back (sighs) That's my show, you know But yeah, Grey's Anatomy We're on season 16 I think episode 8 or something like that Yep, it's season 8 and so in this episode we see Meredith's hearing about whether she's going to lose her medical license and lo and behold one of the people that are sitting, I think he's the chair of the um, hearing panel he's the doctor that killed her husband, what was his name? Derek McDreamy You know, I really wasn't that affected by Derek's death I don't know, I think I've just been traumatised to the point where death in Grey's Anatomy just doesn't affect me anymore but anyway yeah so one of the doctors on the panel was Meredith's husband's killer I I, I don't know killer's a bit much isn't it but he's the doctor that messed up and ended up being the reason why Derek's not alive anymore but at the start of the episode I thought they were arriving at a funeral because of how somber looking they all were dressed in their like black, grey and navy suits and stuff. I ask myself like, okay, so who's going to die then? Obviously, we don't see that until later on in the episode. (sighs) But during the hearing, it comes out that Grey wasn't even supposed to work at the hospital. Shock, horror. Like, the face that Meredith had when she realised that um, Webber had messed around with the admissions to try and get her in, I was just kind of like... My face was exactly the same, to be honest. But I'm just going to be skipping through different parts of the episode. I'm not going to give like a whole recap on what's happened. If you've watched it, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you ain't, watch it if you want to. Or skip past this bit. It's your business. But yeah. Imagine having to tend to the guy that caused you so much pain. I mean, the conflict. Okay, let's just recap this bit then. So... The guy that ended up killing Derek, when Meredith eventually confronts him, I don't know why it took her so long to be honest, because it would have been a conflict of interest. But yeah, so when she finally confronts the guy, I think he must have had some sort of like epileptic fit or some sort of medical um, condition, medical condition that put him into a state of a fit. So he needed to go after hospital, and it ended up being Derek's sister the other Doctor McDreamy. That's not her name is it? No one calls her McDreamy. What's her name? (sighs) Whatever. You know who I'm talking about. But yeah, it ended up being Derek's sister that had to care for the Doctor. I mean I can't even imagine like the, I guess conflict because you're a doctor and you you came into the profession to want to help and to heal but also this is like the very guy that's responsible for the death of your brother i can't even imagine but yeah going back to meredith's hearing bailey was so stink at first and i was like actually but you can't really argue with what she's saying because it's all true like meredith was kind of not a terrible intern but she's done a lot of questionable things and to be honest, these these past couple of episodes, I've been thinking to myself, Meredith, you're really stretching, you're really stretching people's patience with you, you know. Like every two seconds, she wants to exercise her privilege and kind of like take days off or kind of stuff, and just because she was, um, what she what, what was she doing? She was on this like clean up job thing, rather than being sent to prison. What's what's that called? Community service, yeah. So she was doing community service and every two seconds she wants to take time off it's like excuse me do you even realize the stakes here so yeah i was kind of i was annoyed at first with bailey the fact that she was answering yes to all of the questions about um meredith's mistakes or just i guess intentional um breaking of the rules but eventually i was just like you can't really argue because all of it's true Now Bailey and Webber's relationship is just so sweet, I mean the fact that they've come so far together with Webber mentoring Bailey and then Bailey being the reason why Meredith's a really good doctor, well one of the reasons why she's a really good doctor, (sighs) but I just really enjoy seeing how Webber and Bailey interact, they're sort of like mentor, mentee, but also kind of like grandfather, granddaughter sort of dynamic. And Webber did deserve to give Miranda a bit of his mind. Like a piece of his mind when he was talking about um, feeling betrayed by someone that you've mentored. I guess Miranda had to sit in that one and just kind of stew. Because the same way that you vex at at Meredith for not having your back or not coming to you directly about something is the same way that Webber felt when you kind of snaked him and now you're chief of surgery. Also, I found it like really cute how at every opportunity Miranda will state to everyone that can listen that she's chief of surgery at at Grace Lone Hospital (sighs) it's annoying to some people but I appreciate it I mean she's earned it at this point now back to Meredith's hearing so there was this really dramatic moment with Meredith's former patients flooding the hearing Um, I think Alex, Alex Karev asked them all to be there I'm not sure whether Meredith's Meredith's lawyer actually knew they're actually going to be there. In that regard, I feel sorry for her because how are you supposed to defend the woman's case properly if there's if you've got all of all of these people just randomly popping up? But anyway, so at the at the hearing, there was this dramatic moment with her former patients flooding um, the room, and I felt the emotional manipulation from the writers coming. So I, can't, I was able to keep my tears back and just kind of just taking the moment for what it was. I found myself like smiling when Karev was listing all of the doctors that sent letters. I mean you had um, Calliope Torres, you had Arizona Robbins, you had um, Allison Montgomery and so many other people. I was just like smiling to myself just remembering uh, the days when, the, when everyone was like great alone. Now, meanwhile, the hospital, the guy that had the epileptic epileptic fit, ended up dying the moment after he was confronted by Meredith. But the strangest thing about it all was that Amelia was kind of... That's her name, Amelia. Amelia was kind of gleeful that he died. And I don't know, that kind of felt off to me. Because, I mean, yes, he did kill your brother, or his mistake resulted in your brother dying. But does that mean that you get to be happy about that guy dying i don't know i i just wasn't okay with all that but outside of Amelia and the whole thing with meredith's hearing i'm kind of over maggie and jackson's weird interactions like you've already tried to do the couple thing so just let the thing be what it is like just be friends and just move on think like the whole dynamics between them like with Maggie being so jittery and nervous and that being contrasted with Jackson's movements and that he he's also has this like slow intentional movement about him I mean even his bl- his blinks are slow it's almost infuriating to be honest I mean Schmidt was a nervous wreck as well oh you sweet our sweet summer child ah, when the other interns were i guess giving him giving him slack for being honest and being regarded as the one that ratted out um meredith gray but he just can't he can't lie to people he gets so nervous and i just want to just hold him and say it's going to be okay it's fine it's fine oh schmidt anyway but about deluca and meredith to be honest i i do hope they break up i mean i'm all for it because he is right she does like him but there's no respect between them i mean because the respect that she had for derek was just on another level and the fact that she was so willing to even learn about his um his surgical specialty which was new um uh, what's, what's it called neurosurgery neurosurgery something like that i told you i'm not the most intelligent person but anyway I hope DeLuca and Meredith Breaker, because I'm over it. And that's as much as I'm going to say about Grey's Anatomy. Moving on to The Walking Dead. And we're we're about one episode away from the mid-season finale, but I just had to say something about this latest episode. season 10 episode 7 it was called open your eyes and as soon as the episode started i said if sadiq is is dying or if he's dead i'll be so annoyed and Carl would have died for nothing lo and behold that's exactly what happened sadiq is dead well we think he's dead i'm hoping it's going to be another fake out situation like they did with glenn underneath the bin but something tells me that he's, he's properly gone and that i'm so vexed that he didn't get a chance to overcome his ptsd it was nice seeing Sadiq's kind of co-parenting relationship with Rosita and kind of seeing that they really were friends even outside of them being the parent being parents to um, their daughter Coco but back to Sadiq being dead now I was so annoyed when when the, the reveal was finally made that the doctor was a whisperer kind of like sleeper agent kind of guy because as soon as we met him in that very first episode his first scene there were so many people that were saying he's such he's so sneaky his energy is just off and I was like and I was with them his face was just not right like why are you so cheery it's the end of the world why are you so glad and happy and it was just kind of like a slimy energy as well slimy energy who does that like anyway But the point is we all knew not to trust the guy but i was and i was just waiting to to see what the reason would be as i said i'm just going to be jumping around the episodes i'm not necessarily going in chronological order either you know what i'm talking about or you don't so about carol she made the complete completely wrong move when it came to coercing lydia into showing her face to gamma on the bridge i mean to be honest she could have just or should have been open with Lydia in the first place just ask her the question like are you aware that your your mother would have told the whisperers that you're dead in order to keep their loyalty and would you like to be a part of I guess unravelling that by showing your face to these people I'm sure she would have been on board but because you used her you've pushed, it, pushed her away and I feel like that whole thing with um Lydia going off and going off by herself is going to put a strain on Carolyn and Darryl's relationship. What I found interesting this episode though was how is that we got to see how indoctrinated the whisperers are. I mean, we got to see it from the guy that was in the jail cell and then the guy that was um, that we found out was um, a whisperer in hiding, I guess. So with the guy that was brought in, we saw that he was kind of idolizing Alpha as sort of this almost as a deity. I mean, the way that he described her. Um, what was it he said when Daryl was about to chop off chop off his fingers? Actually, I, d- I don't actually think Daryl's gonna cut off his fingers because he's gotten because it's true he has gotten a bit soft now. But yeah, what was it? What he said about Alpha? Uh, that she she rescued me, um, she saved me, she loves me. And that kind of the language that he was using, though, is kind of quite similar to how um, religious believers kind of talk. So, I don't know, I I see some parallels between how Alpha is being portrayed and how she's regarded within the Whisperers. And um, I guess that kind of like, and religious fanatics, I'll I'll say, I'll, I'll leave it there. But it was also their commitment in the face of contrary evidence that was that made um, watching these individual whisperers so interesting. I mean, with Gamma at the bridge when she finally saw Lydia, and she had this realization that well, one is she actually seeing what she's seeing? You could see her like blinking a few times to make sure that what she was seeing was was real, and then sort of this slow realization that in, if Lydia was was real then alpha must have lied about killing her and all of the implications about what that means and you could kind of see her her mind um ticking over and kind of just just this snowball of um just things going wrong i guess with the guy that was enjoying the sandwich you could clearly see that he was enjoying the sandwich i mean he ended up like scoffing it but it wasn't until carol commented and said good that you kind of realized that even in this very small way he'd betrayed Alpha and so that's when he reverted to these um, I guess more aggressive behaviors I think that's that's what we see between him and Gamma is that when they begin to have their doubts or there there are a few cracks in their beliefs um, around Alpha then we see this additional aggressive behaviors, and they sort of go back into this self-indoctrination of repeating um, the whisperer's phrase catchphrase I'd national anthem. I don't know what you call that. Um, but it's sort of this, this re rebrainwashing themselves um, so that they can, I guess, keep favour with Alpha. And you know what, I really do feel for them, especially seeing Gamma cry when she went back to her little hovel. It's not just the fact that Alpha lied. I think she's also crying because of now that she's seen Lydia she's able to kind of take in the fact of what she's done as a result of these false beliefs in um, Alpha. At the time she wasn't conflicted when she killed her sister she had complete and total belief that she was making the right and good choice so coming to this point where you've got I guess your deity at this point and you're realizing that this person has lied to you i get my heart breaks for her and it's i think it'll be really interesting to see how gamma deals with this in the future and how the other whisperers deal with this i guess how, how will they deal with that information is she going to carry it back to the group is she going to hang on to that information for herself um, if it is shared with the group will it lead to deeper conviction with individual whisperers or will it end up with people breaking away from the group I know it's an interesting scenario to consider but moving to look at Aaron I was confused as to why Aaron didn't say something about Gamma slicing up those walker guts and putting it into the water I mean yes we later found out about the filter system and that someone well the doctor um, had been messing around with it that's no reason to overlook the intentional sabotage of their drinking water I mean if you're putting if you're putting carcasses and rotting flesh into a water system regardless of whether we have the means to clean that out we should probably take that into consideration like our arch enemy at this point is trying to I guess infiltrate us in these like small ways so we should keep our eyes peeled and keep our ears perked up for anything else like that but yeah I'm sad about Sadiq I'm sad that he didn't get a chance to tell he didn't even tell Rosita about the water (sighs) so my hope is dwindling yet again for our community of Alexandria I am glad though to be honest that Sadiq's story has come to some sort of resolve it was getting a bit difficult and painful to keep watching these flashback scenes painful in the sense of being reminded that 10 people had um, been beheaded and their heads been put on spikes but also painful in the sense that they literally kept on using like flashes of light to keep going back between the present moment and Siddiq's flashbacks so it's given me headaches after a a couple of episodes. I do wonder though, do they give disclaimers about um, those flashes? It's probably going to be an an important point for people with epilepsy. Moving on to the last TV show that I'm going to talk about. So, Real Housewives of Atlanta. So, I've said for seasons and seasons, like at at the finale for each season, I always end up saying, I'm not going to watch it anymore, I'm not going to watch it anymore. And look at me, here I am again for this new season and I've watched both episodes so far. Now, the only thing I'm going to say about this, because I'm not going to spend too much time on it, I only wanted to bring up um, Porsche's mum. I mean, is it me? Or does her makeup look a little bit different? Or something's changed with her face? I mean, mind you, she's always had like a little bit of a a face that looks like she's had work done, plus the makeup being a little bit cakey, if I must say. But there's something about how her face looks this season, it just looks off. I mean there was a scene when she was talking to Portia and you could literally just see like I guess this line of demarcation <laughs> of where the makeup was on her face and how her neck looked I mean come on now if you're using if you're doing Botox if you're doing all these kind of treatments please catch your neck as well so now that I've covered um tv um we can just talk about films books and podcasts Actually we can go past film because I ain't really watched any films that are worth talking about so going forward on to books instead. Now this book I got a while ago like last Christmas so it's been about a year or so now um, and it's Becoming by Michelle Obama and it was available I want to say nearly everywhere. I had three copies so I had an audible, an audible um, version that I bought myself and then I had two copies gifted to me um, last year Christmas so all, all together I've got three copies but yeah I really enjoyed the first half of the book where we got to hear about Michelle's upbringing and her familial relationships we do get to hear about Barack but in pa- mostly in passing um, and more so as a way to get insight into what's going on in Michelle's mind and I appreciated that to be honest because in the second half it got a bit more, um, I guess, political and like the run-up to um, the election and um, how what things were going on during um, like his Senate run and, and stuff like that and to be honest, I skipped past most of it. Well, I didn't skip past most of it but I was... I wasn't listening, listening actively let's put it that way but some points that stuck out to me during the early-ish stages um, of the book was that Michelle was a box ticker and on that point I really related I mean she later found out that after I guess years after studying and qualifying to be a lawyer that practicing the law wasn't for her and I felt so validated and seen at that point I felt as though it was, I guess, okay for me to feel like I couldn't or wouldn't continue in the legal field. And that when she said that maybe her exhaustion and having to take the bar twice was down to probably not being fully committed to the profession in the first place. I mean, completely relatable and I felt validated. I also enjoyed being able to see a few um, photographs and this is in the hard copy version of the book. Um, that, and you can kind of like make the links between family members and you get an understanding of the dynamics between them all. I mean the way that she described her family and how things were, things were going on in her early life were, um, I want to say beautifully put. I mean how she describes her piano lessons, um, the relationship between she and her brother, yeah, it, it, it was nice to hear. And also how she spoke about her city as well, um, Chicago. And specifically the south side of Chicago and the difference between her experiences being um, I'll I'll say, I'll say not rich and contrasting that with how um, she experienced life life um, during her husband's pres- presidency yeah she, she has she has an interesting way of putting things it was really relatable. And that's as much as i'm gonna say on becoming i mean i probably could have done more if i made notes and stuff but i read this book i would say nearly a year ago so i'm just going off what i can remember off the top of my head so i've covered books in tv um, i think i'll just wrap it up with talking about some of my core podcasts that i've been listening to so the ones that i never fail to listen to absolutely every episode of and i'm just going to kick it off with the Receipts podcast. Um, so it's a UK podcast that's by three women. Um, you've got Milena Sanchez, you've got Audrey, and you've got Tolly T. I mean, just an incredible group of girls. You can tell that they really enjoy being in each other's company. In each episode is really fun to listen to. I also listen to uh, da, 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 The Read. Might as well talk about that one. So Crystal and... Crystal West. Or Crystal and West. And uh, Kid Free I've listened to them since man i want to say since like my first year in uni which was what 2012 something like that it's, it's been a long time i mean if, you, if you've never listened to an episode of the read um you can probably just like type in the read into the youtube and you'll hear some clips but Crystal, Crystal's laugh is just one is reason is the reason by itself just to listen to the podcast Uh, what else do i listen to i also listen to um ted radio hour um it's basically like the ted the ted talks but they sit down with a couple of the people that have given their talks and they expand and do an in-depth interview um so that can be informative so yeah so that wraps up for the reviews and recommendations So the next segment is the lofty thought segment where I just give a topic um, and kind of I guess go on a bit of a ramble or like a train of thought sort of thing Um, other times it may be a discussion so hopefully um, you're able to follow along with what we said this time around I've got to have a conversation with my brother um, about gender about womanhood about manhood masculinity femininity and how we can reconstruct our, our ideas of it so enjoy. so concerning womanhood uh, my thoughts were inspired by a couple of things so that there was an over the bridge podcast episode about masculinity and what they were discussing there was basically about what it takes to be a man why people feel like they're yeah what it takes to feel like you're a man um but also how i'm noticing like the loud messaging about what being a woman means and how to be a proper one i mean particularly since turning i guess in my 20s i've noticed a lot more attention to what people's romantic relationships look like how you're expected to look and that sort of thing and like if you're embodying womanhood enough i've also been paying more attention to conversations about and visibility of trans women in media i'm kind of i guess other people's reactions to seeing more trans women in that feeling like a feeling like their womanhood is somehow affected by that and also reflecting on my child and teen years and feeling uncomfortable with being referred to as she and her as in the pro- female pronouns she her and also when i was referred to as a girl or woman kind of kind of being like borderline offended i guess like how dare you refer to me as a woman Like i'm not quite sure where that comes from so i guess that's why i'm um, considering what makes someone a woman or in the reverse, what makes someone a man, what constitutes womanhood, manhood and how to resolve that inner discomfort about being referred to by she, her pronouns. So joining me for this first, I guess, discussion or lofty thought is my brother, Lamar, you can introduce yourself.
1: Hello, I am DJ's younger brother. Oh, yeah. well, wow. She only has younger brothers, but the, old, the older younger brother. If that makes
0: sense. Yeah,
1: two years Not much age.
0: of an introduction, but is my brother is the point. So I broke this, I guess, pondering into three sections because I found myself going in a lot of different directions and, like, going on tangents. You could go into gender roles or go into why I'm probably not going to take my spouse's name if I ever do get married. Um, you could get into issue with children's toys which gender pieces use marriage and getting into like hypergamy and all that kind of stuff but i think you know that's a bit all over the place so i'm just going to stick to huh?
1: remind me hypergamy
0: hypergamy um being hyper feminine in order to secure a guy of means
1: yeah the action of marrying a person of a superior caste or class is
0: that the definition yeah.
1: Say again. It's just trash dating is what it sounds like to me. Hypergamy, the action of marrying a person of a superior caste or class.
0: Mm. I guess the point is, I wasn't gonna get into all that. So I just wanted to like, yeah, slim it down maybe. to three questions. And those three questions being one, what, does it, what makes someone a woman? Two, where does my discomfort with she, her, woman come from? And then three, can that discomfort be resolved? So I guess the first question is one that more has, like, general application and then the other like two, I kind of bring it down to the personal level. Okay. So concerning the first question, what makes someone a woman? I mean, if I think back to, like, how I thought of womanhood or just, like, I guess in the reverse manhood as well, is that it's a collection of things, like pieces being fit together. So you've got, like, the bio- biology element. There's another piece for clothing and grooming another piece for aspirations and values and then kind of how you process information. So regarding biology, kind of like, do you have XX chromosomes? Sex organs and genitals, hormones? Are you capable of carrying a baby? Do you have a uterus that's capable of menstruating kind of thing? In terms of clothing and grooming, kind of like your typical dress, skirts, like 1950s housewife kind of thing. Aspirations and values being more so um,
1: career... Oh, the Careers are career. part
0: of that, yeah. But so, picking a career that facilitates ca- yeah. taking care of a family, and e- and even within that, prioritizing having a family in, in the first place. Mm. Kind of having that desire to at least eventually s- settle down. And then, from a wider perspective, kind of prioritizing social cohesion and harmony. Just kind of having, I guess, a general aversion to violence, or I guess this is what I thought womanhood. Of about what constitutes womanhood,
1: or well, I even mean, at least that like, outer kind of layer of distaste for violence or anything like that. Yeah, or just kind of the
0: expectation or that fighting all that kind of stuff—that's like a man's thing. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess part part of my definition of womanhood was that what it means to be a woman is to be the opposite yeah. and to have absence of whatever makes someone a man. Just don't. So an example being, like, like, what I said around, like, physicality and, like, being, um... I will not say it's always about violence, but just kind of, like, like physicality kind yeah. of thing. Sporty. yeah, yeah, yeah. like, being sporty. But because I was sporty, it was just like, okay, so I can't be Succeed. fully girl if I have a trait that, in my mind, is associated with manhood. I mean, you could get into, like, skin colour and that kind of stuff and, like, how depending on your skin colour sometimes you're assumed to be more male leaning I like to have traits that masculinize you but I, ain't. I don't know how I'm going to approach if or if I'm going to approach skin colour and like race issues um, in further episodes so I'll just leave that but the point is how I how I've how I've come to develop my idea of womanhood has been around the idea of these different pieces fitting together so a traditional idea of clothing grooming what your aspiration should be plus having that biological element which is interesting because once you get to a certain age and you actually look at you actually get the information for yourself then you realize that the biology isn't always conclusive and by that i mean that it's not always clear what genitals somebody is born with and whether that leads into how they're going to identify in terms of gender because, I mean, you've got, like, a whole group of people that are intersex. But I didn't even know that was a thing until I got to, I don't know, like, really late teens. I had, like, some idea of it. And then I actively looked for the information once I got into my 20s. But I've been talking for a lot now. I should probably let Lamar talk a bit. So what's your idea of, I guess, for you, manhood? Like, how have you traditionally looked at what constitutes manhood?
1: I guess... First one, but the most dangerous one is obviously stoicism. What? Stoicism. Define. Just being like putting aside feelings in the pursuit of just like, well, feelings, quote unquote.
0: Just, or certain types of feelings. And just being
1: efficient and dutiful. Okay, hold
0: on, I need to stretch out my legs.
1: And just like, just a thought that you should. Not pursue any of these things. Just purely be that providing background force, and a kind of soldier with no emotion, but purely just action and logical, all that kind of toxic stuff.
0: Mm. Well, do you, well, I guess we can get into like I guess toxic masculinity is a whole other thing I
1: that So, just mentioned areas.
0: Be a kind of like and stoicism, then, yeah. being a soldier,
1: having experiencing
0: uh, yeah. little emotion
1: then expecting females to be the negation of everything that everything that a typical masculine man should be yeah
0: it's like being mutually exclusive kind of thing like as in what it means to be a man is having absence of everything that it takes to be a woman which is basically the same thing that i was saying I i guess that comes from both sides of like it's not enough just to say that oh i mean looking at it from like a surface level or because you wear trousers that makes you a man it's also that trousers, you that yeah. you don't yeah. wear dresses don't kind of thing
1: yeah yeah exactly that and then and then expecting other people females females femininity expecting them to
0: to do the same to for
1: them to be wearing dresses skirts and then expecting how far that goes i don't know but because i
0: mean death. i think because I think if you ask the everyday person, they'll probably say, like, oh, a woman can be whatever she wants kind of thing. Or, like, a man can be whatever they want. But I think if you really peel back, like, the, I guess, filtered answers that people will give, and you get to the heart of what they actually really think about what to expect from a woman that they interact with or a man that they interact with, there are still these very, I guess, learned expectations yeah, yeah. about what to expect. Cause I think when you imagine the word man, you automatically go to, into like the very like not really like emotional, mm-hmm. like unwavering kind of type of guy, and then you kind of like add on layers of like the personality, and it's like, the same thing for when and you all think these of woman. Woman's
1: personality is just textbook yeah. like. Yeah. Because
0: so I think again. if people are honest, they, I think we do think of the nineteen fifties woman as like the ultimate femme kind of thing kind of like a marilyn monroe type where it's like she's sensual but she's she's not like too 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 over the top and it's like she's it's form-fitting but still flowy at the bottom and she's like she's wearing makeup but she still kind of has an opinion but not too much of an opinion just enough to invite the man to feel like he's leading kind of thing mm-hmm. but yeah it's like we've kind of established what both of our ideas of manhood and womanhood was I was kind of getting into why that doesn't really work so I guess for me, I, because I wasn't, rather, I was thinking of womanhood in terms of an equation. So like woman equals A plus B divided by X. And if you don't have any of those pieces, you're not a woman kind of thing. So I see womanhood as like, I guess like with a, re- with a re- recipe, you can't make a cake unless you've got certain ingredients.
1: That's how you used to think of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like there's a scale to it. And my idea of 100% femme woman was that 1950s idea of what a woman is. But the trouble with that then is because it doesn't account for changes in the formula. And like in real life, we still think of women that go through menopause as being women. We still think of people that aren't capable or just don't want children as still being women. So that idea that At least from a biological perspective that you have to have a uterus that you have to have um, the desire to have a family and specifically children makes up your womanhood that doesn't quite it doesn't quite fit so i guess from there i kind of thought okay so how am i going to reconstruct my idea of what womanhood is and then i guess on the reverse side what manhood is and i started to look at dictionary definitions Which is tricky though, because language is tricky. I mean, the point of a dictionary is to give you clarity on how a word is meant to be used. I can only get clarity on how a word is meant to be used if you consult the general public, like the everyday person, and you're seeing how it's being used in normal conversation. And you can only do that once there's some sort of general consensus on how the word is being used. So you kind of just end up going in a circle, really if you if yes, i so yeah just, like, yeah
1: seek, go a ma- seek a mandate from people to like agree on what, what how how we use a word and that just comes naturally rather than so something like womanhood i guess is what you're gonna say is like womanhood is an idea that comes from the base from people at large
0: mm-hmm. and that's what i'm saying like that's how words function in general like even outside of just this specific word that we're discussing now woman womanhood it's like any word like its definition it kind of has to be set in stone first within hmm. colloquial use before you can then rely on the dictionary definition as a be-all, end-all. I mean, it doesn't Very always exciting. work in every situation because you have, like, courts, for example, where the dictionary definition will be the, the be or all, end-all. But I imagine it's a little bit different, though, because judges would have looked at the definition. Anyway, let's not get into the legal stuff. But yeah, I did start to look at the dictionary definition and what I saw common commonly in those definitions was the reference to an adult human female. But then if you look further than that, the definition of female is part of that is having the capability of producing eggs and being able to carry a baby. But because of what we said earlier, like yeah, being able to carry a baby, that's the biological part of it. Isn't always
1: so it's not definitive. Like That's why chromosomes. It's just
0: yeah, because yeah. you've got people that have three X chromosomes, and you have people mm-hmm. that have just one X chromosome. Mm-hmm. Are they any less woman because they don't fulfill that one element? I would answer no to that. So then, the definition of womanhood or how I think about womanhood needs to adjust. So yeah. I guess that doesn't really answer the first question yeah, of what, what makes someone a woman, basically. It
1: describes where we are.
0: Yeah, I guess it kind of like describes how I've gotten up, up until this point. The previous definition that I had really doesn't work because it doesn't always apply to people that we still consider women.
1: Yeah, even on a genetic level it doesn't like hmm. Interesting. So then, on what basis do you start defining a woman hmm. or, or a female?
0: And it's there that I kind of chose to take a more, like, personal look like how i think of womanhood and my discomfort around she her pronouns so i think even if it was clear as to what the dictionary definition was and it was commonly understood what a woman was that still wouldn't resolve my discomfort with she her and i think that goes down to how i viewed womanhood as weakness and kind of manhood as the antithesis of that
1: go on is it a challenge? Is it too much of a challenge to ask to find a personal definition, then build a overreaching definition of what womanhood is? Mm. Shouldn't we do it the other way around, of building that universal kind of womanhood name, or womanhood feeling, and giving that the new name, mm. and, and defining that as womanhood? You know? mm.
0: So, I guess within womanhood, I guess there's ideas of femininity that needs to be explored, and then on the mm. the, the flip side. What, what does man? What, masculinity. What's masculinity exactly? And I think once you get into that, it's, it's really just describing a set of behaviors. Yeah.
1: And it's, so, like, so if you
0: the, think of like masculinity, masculinity it? like
1: describing personality.
0: Yeah, you, you're describing just personality traits at that point. Like as you were saying before, stoicism, that could just be a personality trait rather than being associated with or seen as a requirement of manhood. Like if it's I was like describing you, for example, it's like a, huh?
1: It's like it sounds like one of those hot take memes. Like Your you, you masculinity is personality traits and what? Like.
0: Moving on. I guess that goes on to answer the third question then, of like, how can the discomfort be resolved? I guess not seeing manhood and womanhood as mutually exclusive, but more as just which traits do you lean into more?
1: Well, uh, to me, they don't have to have a...
0: Oh, that's what they're
1: I was not, saying. They're not so physical. They're not so physical. You know what I mean? Masculinity—you can have a f- masculine woman and a feminine m- man.
0: Yeah, it's wanted. more so of an abstract idea to, rather yeah, than being nailed yeah, exactly, down so by it's biology. Better
1: to start there, isn't it? That's what you're mm-hmm. trying to
0: say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. that's what I was saying. And because it's more behavioural, it allows room to be able to describe yourself as a blend of the two, mm-hmm. or. I guess this would be saying just doing away with the idea of masculinity and femininity as mutually exclusive but just more focusing on the description itself so it's like, am i describing someone as being authoritative it's better to use the word authoritative to describe them rather than being oh yeah well he's a man's man kind of thing mm-hmm. or you know she's the quint- quintessential woman because someone's um say that they prioritize being social and having a family that sort of thing not seeing that as Oh, they're fulfilling the role or performing the role of woman very well, but just more so just describe them as the person. I think that's what I'd prefer. Is in, less focus on femininity and masculinity.
1: And more on the... And
0: more just on personality. Mm-hmm. And then from that, focusing less on manhood versus womanhood and what constitutes womanhood and just being content with personhood. like.
1: And I'm at core cool with who, feel, who I am as a person. I feel like this kind of definition fulfils that need to have a universality of it because each individual then builds up an idea of what they're comfortable describing themselves as mm. in traits, rather than as a big overarching idea of mm-hmm. masculine, feminine, or even what a pronoun to call themselves later on.
0: Mm.
1: I think that works. I like that. Yeah. I like that.
0: I think maybe from what you've just said there from having these like abstract concepts of what it means to be man and what it means to be a woman and the pronouns that come from that so he him she her that kind of triggers in your mind that you need to figure out what side you're on and kind of how kind of like judge yourself as to how well you're performing in relation to this Mm. mysterious standard of what it is to be a woman or man so if you're more concerned with your personality traits and developing a personality, (laughs) developing a personality. But it's true, though. It's true, yeah. It's more about how you present yourself into the world and less about, I guess, judging yourself.
1: Well, that's interesting, though, because there's a... I don't know why I was watching this. Um, I think it's Ian McKellen, you know, the guy who plays...
0: Sir Ian McKellen.
1: Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah, yeah. He he was describing his, like... Life is always acting, and it's always on stage in his mind.
0: Hmm.
1: And I was like, "That's interesting, because it comes into like everything we do is to portray something."
0: Mm-hmm. We're all performing
1: guess, all the time. Like, yeah, but I guess that it's not really such an such a dangerous idea because it's the idea that we should be able to choose who we're trying to play through our lives, rather than being said, being told to like play this role. Mm. and build and just I don't know transform yourselves to fill this Mm -hmm. so I guess
0: focusing more on improvising and building your character rather than coming to the stage with (laughs) rather than coming to the stage with a preset script and then trying to perform in the same way that a previous actor has
1: which is impossible which it's like all these iterations of the Joker you are it's like thinking of all these iterations of the Joker like
0: Like no one's ever going going to be um, what's the guy that played like a sick Joker in The Dark Knight? Dark
1: Knight
0: uh, what I'll is mind, his name? Mind blanks.
1: But people rated this Joker as well. So. It's like, Did he,
0: I haven't watched it yet. Uh, no, this. I'm
1: not going to.
0: Either. I don't know. Just in my head, there's only one Joker now.
1: There's. Oh, I looked back actually. You know the uh, Batman game. What's it called? Which one? one?
0: That's on um, Xbox. Mm. Yeah.
1: The character, the Joker in that is legit. Mm. He's legit. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Or well, maybe maybe that's only better because they're basing it more closely on the comics.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, in fact, there's definitely that aspect of it. But it's just just good voice acting and like mm. it's just another it's just another joke in my mind. Mm. So there's never been one. It's after I've played that game and watched the Batman, and probably for people who've watched this new Joker, there's probably not. Mm-hmm. But that's how we should be. Yeah. Trying to develop ourselves. We should be do, doing personal character development in our identities, not myself to fill a role. Not
0: focusing so much on, am I feminine enough? Am I masculine yeah. enough?
1: Which ultimately just feels like some kind of utility role in society.
0: So, as you can imagine, the conversation went on for quite a while after that for about seven to eight minutes. And I'm just going to be honest, I've had enough of editing and all that kind of stuff, so the episode's done, yeah? We're done. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but be sure to follow the show on instagram it's at lofty thoughts pod and hashtag lofty thoughts pod on if you're on twitter Um, let me know your thoughts and comments about the topic or just the shows that i discussed earlier on in the show so yeah that's everything from me see you next time bye